calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, we actually have a special guest host, Regina, who you probably remember. She fell into a pool, and her brother fell into a pool, and they both, like, kind of drowned, but came back to life, and they started interacting with the supernatural after that. Uh, I know most of you remember that, because that was one of our most downloaded episodes. So, Regina, thank you so much for jumping on and helping me co-host this episode. No problem, Noah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And our guest for this episode, yes, you guessed it, um, she's from TikTok. That's where we've been getting a lot of our guests recently. I saw that she had a ton of spooky content from growing up in a haunted house to living in a haunted house to interacting with spirits and ghosts and just having a kind of a wealth of knowledge on the supernatural so our guest for this episode is kayla kayla how are you doing great thank you for having me sorry it took so long to get a hold of me no no worries at all and what is your tiktok so our fans can if they want to look out and see some of your stuff while they're listening to the episode so uh you can find me on tiktok as cozy cryptid or you can type in a hashtag living life haunted and you'll find me there. Okay, cool. I like that. I mean, I don't live my life haunted, but I feel like you and Regina could probably relate in that to some degree. <laughs> Most definitely. So Kayla, we like to ask our guests where they kind of fall on the supernatural scale. Zero meaning they don't believe in ghosts at all and 10 meaning ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? 10. Definite. No question. That's kind of what I figured from uh, seeing some of your stories. And Regina, remind me, where did you fall on that scale? I actually set a 12. Okay. Um, because I don't play by rules. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. We've been getting a lot of 11s lately, which I, I think is, I always think 11 is kind of an interesting number anyways. Spinal Tap is just a reference to these go to 11. Speaking of music, um, I also want to make sure I mention Regina's song that we had on the episode when she was on last. This is Goodbye. Regina, where can our fans go and listen to your music? They can listen on any platform, any streaming platform. You could actually ask Alexa to play This Is Goodbye by Regina Hart. It'll come up. Um, so it's out Ooh. on all platforms now. Wow, that's super cool. I don't uh I didn't know that. We'll have to do that after I get off this episode. All right, guys. Well, Kayla, as a 10, 
when did the hauntings kind of start for you? When did you know, okay, my life is a little different than everybody else's? Very young. Growing up in a haunted house is one thing, but like growing up with parents who are so heavily involved in the occult, you know, you're introduced to that like day one. And the paranormal experiences with me started before I could even remember. Yeah, I, I think I remember watching your your video. There was like a, a baby bottle that exploded or something. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It is like my dad's favorite story to tell people. <laughs> it is intense. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty uh, poltergeisty. Has it always been a violent relationship with the supernatural or is it kind of ran the gamut of everything? It varies. I mean, not every encounter I've had has been like gut-wrenching terror. There has been a few entities that I'm very uh, placent with, you know, that are still in this house and still roam and be free. Uh, My house was built on a ley line. So, you know, it just comes with the property. Mm. Kayla, you mentioned your parents are in the occult or were in the occult. Like, could you elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah. So uh, when my mom and dad first got together, um, you know, my mom was like this beautiful blonde and like everybody wanted her. And then there's my dad and he had this long black hair and tattoos. They uh, got together with their love of King Diamond of all things and they used to go and like investigate the old uh, Spencer State Hospital. They would um, fuck around with Ouija boards and seances and all this stuff. So, and now my mom, she's heavily involved in it too, like right now. But then my dad, you know, he settled down. Um, he's with his family, raising his new baby. So, you know, he's calmed down a lot. But my mom, you know, she just lives her best life every day. And do they see spirits and or did they see spirits and things of that nature? Or was it more just like trying to communicate and do investigations? Um, it was more a uh, thrill. I wouldn't call them like paranormal investigators. They would just go and drink and, you know, have parties at this old hospital. And like, you know, they would see things and, you know, but my mom, you know, she's more pagan. So she communicates with all these deities and entities, you know, almost daily. Whereas my dad, you know, like I said, he's calmed down. It's interesting. That's so interesting. So how do you think that that kind of childhood has had a, an impact on you now with, with your experiences now? When I grew up, you know, my parents got divorced at a very like early age for me. I think I was like eight, nine. And uh, I lived with my dad. And my dad would always try to do like things to, you know, fun things that weren't the average like family game night, (laughs) you know, it would be like, oh, well, we're going to have a seance or, oh, we're going to, you know, I just bought you this Ouija board and, you know, we're going to do this. And it was all pranks. Like, I want to make that clear. (laughs) It was all pranks. My dad would manipulate things or have a friend like run and knock on the door and make me think, oh, there's a ghost outside. So it was all things like that to keep the mood very lighthearted. And at what age did you do your first Ouija board and seance? I was nine years old. So Noah, I think you have somebody who would want to do yeah. <laughs> the real haunting seance with you. <laughs> yeah, Kayla, we've, um, one thing we want to do 
I guess maybe post pandemic, or we've also toyed with the idea of doing it like over Zoom, but is doing an actual seance uh, and recording it. We're always very curious on what that's I feel like, like. That would be very interesting. Yeah, well, I do too. Well, and one of our co-hosts, um, Kat, is like deathly afraid of. I mean, she wouldn't like me saying it like that, but she definitely gets scared pretty easy with the supernatural. Like she won't really watch horror movies. I've been trying to get her to just watch the sixth sense forever because I feel like it applies to like so many of our guests. And so like there was a runner for a while where I just be like, Hey, did you watch it? And she was just like, no. So now I, d- I don't even really ask her anymore on the podcast. Cause I just, I know she's, she's just too scared. She's not going to watch it, but they have a ghost in their apartment now. So she's trying to navigate that, um, which I think is scary. I mean, I do a lot of TikToks about removal and you know what the best route would be to remove an entity that you don't want in your home and my go-to is always hire not hire somebody because they they do it for free but seek out professional help because I dealt with this for years and everything I tried just went to shit so when I finally got the right investigators in it was over I've had uh what is it now? Like almost three years of peace. And that's just mind blowing to me. And I'm really curious. So let's, let's rewind a little bit and go back to your childhood home. So I watched some of your videos. I know that you had some quote unquote imaginary friends that may have turned out to be not so imaginary. And then there was the baby bottle incident as well. Can you kind of walk us through some of those experiences? So I'll start with the baby bottle because that's like the first, I guess. But um, my mom and dad, it was really late and uh, they were co-sleeping. So I was sleeping in the bed and in the old bedroom, we had carpeted floors. And that's very important for me to to mention. So uh, they had just fed me a bottle. My dad was like half asleep and he rolled over and sat the bottle on the floor. And I don't know how much time passed between that and this, but they both describe it as sounding like a gunshot went off just right over their bed. And they jumped up and grabbed me and they were so confused and like in a panic. And when my dad jumped up out of bed to go see what was happening, he felt the glass. And what's weird is that the glass, the uh, door, the bedroom door was shut, but there was pieces of glass leading all the way through the living room. He set the bottle down, it explodes. So you're saying the door was shut, but there was glass on both sides of the door. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, it was on both sides of the door. And to your knowledge, had anything like that happened in the home up to that point? No, the only thing like food container wise or food related was, um, my mom had made we're from West Virginia so uh, my mom had made a fresh pot of pinto beans and she invited some people over and she went to go serve the pinto beans and it was like they had sat there for months they were filled with maggots they were old they were nasty and she was so embarrassed like I swear to god I wasn't going to serve you this but um you know, now we know that is a uh, symbol of a demonic presence, is food rapidly rotting. So do you think there was, or did your parents believe that there was some kind of demonic presence in the home that caused that to happen? Probably not in the old home. Uh, the old home was um, 
back in the day, like uh, it was my father's house. My mom had moved in later, but back then my dad was in a metal band and him and his friends used to come up there and party and they would, you know, get drunk, have band practice and mess around with Ouija boards and seances and stuff. So that was like an epicenter for all these like occult, you know, goth kids and metalheads to go and fuck around with this stuff. But it all took place in that home. So we were kind of left for years with the aftermath of that. Everybody else got to go home, you know, in their safe little beds. But, you know, we got stuck with it for years. How did your parents deal with with that? You know, every time that they saw those encounters, like what was their reaction? You know, when I was a kid, I didn't really get to see it that much. But um, like I didn't get to see their reactions except for the balloon incident. But I know they would talk about it a lot. Like I would catch them talking about it. And they would be concerned and like, you know, should we move? What should we do? And, you know, nothing ever was really talked about in front of me. But when it would happen in the moment, everybody would just freeze. And what is the balloon incident? So when I was a kid, I was in dance class and uh, I was a part of the parade. You know, my dance class had to get on a float and throw candy. And um, this man gave me a balloon and I took it home. And my dad, we had these huge 30 foot ceilings. And my dad was like, you need to take that into our room so you don't let go of it. And it goes up to the ceiling. And uh, I put it in his room. And I like halfway shut the door. There was no ceiling fans on, nothing like that. And right at the door, it's important to mention, was the uh, staircase that led up to my bedroom. And you would go up like half a flight. And then there was a slight turn. And you'd go up that half of the flight. And then there would be my bedroom. And that balloon, while we were all sitting on the couch, came out of the bedroom, went up the stairs, made that turn, went up the other half, and then waited for me at the bedroom door. Was it like all the way up to the ceiling or was it kind of like floating midair? It was at a child's height. Like it would be no different if I was holding the balloon about middle of the string and then just walked up to my room. Did you turn to your parents and tell them that they would float too? (laughs) I'm sure they would have shit themselves if I would have said something (laughs) like that. Gosh, well, it definitely sounds like there was something going on in that home. And I'm not sure if I told you this, Kayla, but our kind of our podcast, our theme is that uh, me and the other two hosts, JJ and Kat, we're all skeptics on various levels, but we want to believe. But that certainly sounds like a home that is haunted. Does it kind of make you unhappy a little that you were almost kind of pushed into this world of paranormal like that, where all these, uh, you know, Ouija board and, and seances were going on in the home, or are you happy that this is all a part of your life? Well, um, it's, it's odd because I will say that I was tortured by this main entity, but a lot of things in my life wouldn't have happened you know, if I didn't, you know, have to deal with this. Um, Something I don't talk about much on my page because I try to steer away from religion is I had lost my faith at a good, at a good age, like of 14, 15. And um, I don't think I would have ever found my faith again 
if all of this wasn't happening to me. I mean, there's so much there that I resonate with because I too had a very similar experience with an entity in my house as a child. And because of my paranormal experiences, that is the reason why I have the faith I have. And so I just Mm -hmm. think that's very interesting how much those parallel. Was there one specific incident where that was it? And that's when you returned to faith? Um, I would say it kind of built up over time. Um, There was an incident that had made me lose my faith. And then there was the incident that brought it back. And it just kind of made me question, like, am I going down the right path? Do I need to get closer? What And it wasn't necessarily that I completely lost my faith and stopped believing. It was the fact that I felt like I was being left behind because all of these horrible things were happening to me and I would pray so hard and nothing nothing could save me from it and then there was this one incident where I was validated by a Spanish teacher from middle school who I know for sure she hated me I hated her we were not on good terms at all and because of everything that that was going on at home, I started sleeping in class because I felt like if I fell asleep at home, I was going to die. And so I would choose her class to sleep in because it was an elective and I just didn't care if I passed or failed. And then after one of uh, the worst nights right before like this huge climax, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I was in homeroom. I was asleep. It was my first class of the day. And then Miss Snyder, my Spanish teacher, came into the room and she was like, I need to speak with Kayla outside. And I was like, right now is not the time. Like, do not start with me. It was going to be bad. Like, I thought she was going to be like, oh, well, you're failing my class and lecturing me. And she took me outside and she said, And I'll never forget it. She looked at me and she put her hands on my shoulders and she said, God told me to pray for you last night. What's happening in the red room? And my room was painted chili pepper red. That just gave me chills. Like I have chills all up and down my arm. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very emotional moment for me because we didn't like each other. I mean, it was very obvious that we didn't like each other, but for her to come and say that, and to know like, okay, well, you're in, you're in a red room. These horrible things are happening to you. I just felt like that was the validation I needed that I wasn't being ignored and that maybe help was on the way. I just didn't know what kind. And so was this the same house or was this a different house where the baby body bottle exploded and the balloon floated? So this is a different house at this point in time. Um, after the divorce, you know, we lost the house and we had this property just right down the road and we decided to build a new house. And that's where all of these current stories take place is, you know, because a lot of this I brought on myself <laughs> in a way, like not even in a way, like I did it, like I know my mistakes. <laughs> I did this and I just had to eat it for a minute. Well, I'm, Okay, so I'm very curious about all of this. Can you kind of walk us through you all building this new house and 
and what entities you had to deal with at that new home? So uh, the problem is, is when we, uh, when we first bought this property, there was nothing. I mean, it was just really dense trees. There was an old barn and then like remnants of this old house. And we had tore the house, the old house down, added some dirt to like, you know, dump trucks full of dirt to like level the foundation. And we built like a little picnic shelter and then we had to quickly turn that picnic shelter into a house because like I said, we lost our house after the divorce and um, years go by, I mean, years. And the man who sold us the property came up to just kind of check on us, see how the land was doing. And he just saw this brand new house and he took my dad outside and he's like, I need to talk to you. Like this man looked so horrified and me being a kid, I was like, okay, well, this is spicy. I want to hear it. So I had like the window cracked and I was listening and I couldn't hear everything because they kept pacing like around the property. But he had told my dad that there was no way to prove it. He, you know, it could have just been a rumor, but the leg family who owned this house before had buried their daughter near the house and my dad was like wait a minute like near the house he said well I heard it was the fireplace and their fireplace is right where our washer and dryer would be I mean did she pass away under like normal circumstances or do you know what happened to her yes yes I found out later uh, that she had an illness and she did pass away at a very young age. She was only eight years old and, you know, it was very sad. They, they were, they were poverty stricken. They didn't have the money to like, you know, do all these grand things. And plus it was so long ago, it wouldn't go through the channels it goes through today. So um, they did bury her on the property. What time period are we talking about? We're talking about 1922. I just picture some like old man coming up and being like, "Well, the leg house they buried their daughter under the under the chimney," and then walk, you know, I mean, like that's like so cinematic and spooky. I would have left as soon as that happened. It's very like pet cemetery esque. Like yeah. you don't want to go down that road, like for sure. Oh my god, I but, love that movie. Then did you have a lot of um, you know things happen in your like washer dryer area? If that's where the daughter was was originally. Yes. And what's crazy about it is like my dad originally like, yeah, he was horrified, but there was also that part of him like, okay, well, it's not even like a fact. We can't prove it. We can't, you know, we're just going to have to ignore it. And I'm talking maybe eight months later, almost a year later, we had started the addition to the house and uh, my dad was in his room and I was just so happened to be in the kitchen and I heard my dad yell. And like I said, my dad's like this big tattooed, long haired metal head, you know, nothing should scare him. And I ran into his bedroom and he was sitting up on his bed and I was like, what's going on? And he was like, I felt something grab my big toe. And then I looked and I swear I saw a little girl running out of the bedroom. How old were you when this happened? I was about 11. So you're 11. You run in and your dad tells you that this little ghost girl just grabbed his toe. 
and you heard about the girl being buried, you know, under the home allegedly. I mean, what did you do in that moment? Did you freak out or laugh at him or how did that make you feel? I outed myself pretty quick and I was like, okay, so, uh, maybe it's that little girl who's buried under the house. And he's like, how the fuck did you know that? (laughs) It was just like a, whoops. (laughs) So did you ever see the little girl in the house? So, uh, the first time I ever saw Katie, we found out her name, uh, later, but, uh, something I forgot to mention is when the old man was here, uh, there was this rock okay I was a kid and I just picked up this random rock and I put it in my flower garden and he said I know that rock he said and this is what makes me lean towards the side that it's real and my dad just kind of looked at him and I couldn't see I could I could only hear so when this was done I went and like studied this fucking rock (laughs) for like an hour And then I picked up some dirt and I rubbed on this rock and sure enough, the letters K and then leg L E G G was carved into this rock. And so we all, I assumed, okay, this was her headstone. This is real. What the fuck are we going to do? How old were you when you found that rock? I have a really bad concept of time. So it'd have to be anywhere between like about like nine years old, I think. It was the same, you know, is when we had to come up here. So I would have to say like nine, 10, somewhere in that area. So is that why you say you brought some of this on you? Because you messed with the headstone of her grave? No. Um, the reason I say I brought a lot of this on me is because of the seance we had at the old house on the property above ours. Okay. And, and I want to just rewind a little bit. So you, you said that you saw her, did you see her because of that rock or was that just an indication to you that this could all be real? That was just an indication like, okay, well maybe this is true. And plus I was so like obsessed with this when I was a kid, like all this paranormal stuff, you know, I would take books about the Blair witch to school and like, (laughs) I was I was that weird emo kid that like nobody wanted to talk to <laughs> because this is the shit I would talk about. And um, that was just kind of a little validation to me. Like, okay, there might be something here. And then later on, just a couple years later is when I saw her for the first time, I was 12 and I was sitting on the couch and I heard like little pitter patter, like little footsteps. And I was like, oh, word. Like, what's happening? And I got up and looked around, didn't see anything, went to my bedroom and I was laying on my bed and I had my door cracked open and just real quick, right by my door, I saw somebody running. And the only thing I saw was just hair. It was just like dirty blonde hair. And that was it. But now collecting my previous experience, you know, experiences with Katie, I did. I do know what she looks like now, but I didn't know what she looked like back then. That was just the first time I had saw like a snippet of her. And I want to make sure we cover this story because I thought it was a pretty good one. The one about your imaginary friend and the fan, was that in this house or the previous home? That was in the previous house on North Grapevine. And um, 
I just, it's weird because I can still remember him. And like a lot of people say that they still remember their imaginary friends. So like, it's not weird to me that I remember him. It's just weird that he wasn't imaginary. (laughs) Well, yeah, for sure. That was my first. That would be like a ghost. (laughs) That's just a little odd, right? (laughs) So I had never uh, met Pop. They all called him Pop. He was my, uh, my dad's father's father. And so he was my great grandfather and he was just, from what I hear, he was just like a mean old bastard, but you had to love him. Like, you know, he was just one of those kind of people. He didn't like adults. He didn't like women, but he loved kids. So, you know, it was kind of odd to hear these things about him growing up when I'm like, that's not the spongy I remember. To me, it feels so like, odd to talk about it because when I say it out loud it just sounds so like outlandish but this is just what I remember from being a kid Uh, I remember being a kid and I would see him and you know how there's like a little bit of space between the ceiling fan and the the ceiling Mm -hmm. so he would be in that area flying the opposite way of the ceiling fan blades And when you say trying to describe the best I can. Yeah. So when you say he was flying, was it like a whole human body, like Superman style or like, what do you, what do you mean? No, No, it, it never had feet. It never had legs. It was literally just like waist up and it looked like tattered clothes that kind of tapered down to a point and they were brown clothes. He had, um, he had orange hair, but like sometimes it would change between black and white. And that's because he would dye his hair. And of course I didn't know that, but he also carried his arm, uh, up against his chest. And when I would talk about Spunky, like things would come up missing in the house and I would be like, oh, Spunky took it. And my parents would be like, okay where did you put it? Because, you know, I would say, well, Spungy did it. Well, they would think I did it. So then like, you know, I would get in trouble, but it was Spungy who was taking the car keys. It was Spungy who was taking the glasses and all that stuff. So one day I was at my Aunt Lisa's house and she was, I was telling her that Spungy stayed home. And she was like, well, who's Spungy? And I was telling her all about, you know, Spungy. And she was like, well, what does he look like? And I described it to her. And I just remember the look on her face, like, holy shit. And I was like, what did I do? And she went out and pulled out this old VHS tape from like this old box. And it was a family video of just the cookout. They had this like big cookout. And I was sitting on her lap and I was watching it. And she was like, there's your dad. And I was just watching all of it. And then all of a sudden it panned over to pop. And I was like, that's fungi. And I remember like the look on her face was like, all right, I'm done. Like she turned off the thing. She called my dad. She was like, you need to get over here like right now. And it turned into this huge like family debacle, like six cents, spoiler alert. uh, Our daughter sees dead people. So, 
did, did he, does he still, I mean, do you ever see him anymore? Did he go away after that or how did that all work? Never saw him again after we moved. So his spirit, you think kind of stayed with that home? Absolutely. Um, since we have left that home, we, we have been in contact with the majority of the families who live there now or have lived there after us. And every single one of them asks us, you know, is your house haunted? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> this house was haunted. And they would describe these things. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's Spunky. Don't worry about him. I, I also saw a lot of stuff as a kid. And I almost had to prove it to my parents that I had seen things. Um, and then I had to learn how to navigate through that alone because they they had no clue. But I'm curious, because your parents were in the occult and did believe in this kind of stuff, when you told them stories like this, what was their response? Like, did they, did they believe you? Did they help navigate you through that? With my dad, because I lived with my dad, you know, my whole life, essentially, until I turned like 18. He works, he worked a lot, you know, he runs his own concrete business. So sometimes he would just be too tired to hear it. You know, it wasn't that he didn't believe me. It was just like, okay, well, I, I can't even talk about this right now. I'm about to fall asleep. It just almost wasn't a big deal with us because it was so common. So do you feel like they kind of normalized it for you? So you didn't feel like, you know, you were crazy or whatever, you know, adjective you want to use there. Like it, it made you feel safe in that environment. Yeah. I never felt like when I got older and we moved to the new house, uh, it did get a little harder it got, actually, it got a lot harder, (laughs) but, um, you know, when I was younger, everything was like, okay, well, you know, this is real and this is what's happening and it's okay. These things exist and it's okay that they exist. They're not going to hurt you. You know, everything's fine. But when I got older, you know, it turned into like kind of a different story. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we got that story in because I did find that one pretty fascinating. Um, so, yeah, let's um, let's get back to we're in the new home and things are starting to shake loose a little bit. Can you tell us about how things got weird there? So, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I was obsessed with this stuff and I wanted a paranormal experience like I craved something that would be just so ground shaking you know I I wanted it and I got it and I wasn't prepared for when I got it um my dad like I said he worked a lot so I'd be home by myself and once I heard about the little girl it was over I was like okay I'm gonna communicate with this kid like I'm I'm gonna do it and I would like have seances at home before my dad got home at work to try to communicate. I wanted to figure out her name so bad, but I just never could. I never really made contact with her until I made contact with a different entity. I wore all my dad's clothes. So I'd go to school and like Slayer t-shirts and like, I never did makeup. You know, I was just that, you know, the weird girl. So when I did make friends, it was like a rarity for me. And my dad got with my now uh, stepmother. And what was cool about her is she would always bring her little cousins around. And I got so close with her cousins, Amber and Miranda. 
and we were close in age. They were just a little bit older than me. And uh, Miranda was like my homie. She was my sister. I couldn't live through the shit I did if I didn't have her. And we decided, me and Miranda, we were going to invite the new girl who just moved in the trailer down the road uh, to come have a sleepover with us because she was our age as well. She was new. She didn't know anybody. So we could go out into the band room, which is where my dad would have like his shows, band practice. We have parties out there, but that's where the computer was. And we go out there. My dad ordered us like a pizza. We had some drink, you know, like Cokes and stuff like that. And we did like normal girl shit, like talking about boys and like all that. But I felt left out because like, again, like, I didn't have any boys I had a crush on. I didn't like have friends. I couldn't tell the same stories that they were. So while they were talking and I felt like left out of the group, I just kind of peppered it in there. I'm like, oh, by the way, our house is built on top of a little dead girl. And all conversations stopped. Yeah, that's a bit of an attention grabber for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's uh, that's a little shaky at a at a sleepover. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. You guys want ice cream? Also, there's a dead girl yeah, under us. Wait, what? <laughs> Just shake things up a little like, bit. I could have like eased my way into that, but they were getting along so well, and I was like, "Here we go. I'm going to be left out. I'm going to be the weird girl, even in like my own little group. Like, I can't, I can't handle that." So, did you get so these poor girls to summon a demon or like, something? <laughs> I did. Unfortunately, I did. And I don't know if they've ever forgiven me because I started telling like the story that I heard. We start, we ran over to the computer and we were like, okay, well, let's do some research. We're going to Nancy Drew this shit. And we were like (laughs) typing up so much stuff and couldn't find anything. So that led us to go just to YouTube. We went to YouTube and watched like real ghosts caught on camera and like all this stuff and then that led us to like a Ouija board online game which you know all that you know it's just a little online game and it'd say like stupid stuff and we got bored of it we went and sat back down and I was like do you guys like want to play with a real Ouija board it was immediate like they were like absolutely let's go let's do it and I couldn't find the one that my dad bought me don't I still don't know where that thing went So what we did, I was like, I can make one. And they're like, you can't make a Ouija board. I was like, I absolutely can. So I took the lid off of the pizza box and a Sharpie. And I like wrote the alphabet, the numbers, the yes, no, hello, goodbye. And we used a shot glass as a planchette. So we sat down. I mean, we tried to get this thing to give us a response for hours. I mean, we tried. We got a response. We got a name. And the name was John, but that didn't really like resonate with anything and never really has. So I'm not convinced that like, you know, somebody in the group didn't like manipulate it to say something because we were just so bored. So it was too late. We were tired. We throw the thing and the little stove we had outside to like burn it, whatever. And not a good idea, by the way, just like disclaimer, don't do that. But, uh, We went into the bedroom and we went to sleep. The next day, we were like not satisfied that nothing happened. 
so I started telling them about this uh, abandoned house above the prop the prop on the property above mine, and I was like, "Do you guys want to go up there and have a séance?" And they're like, "We don't know what that is, but yeah, let's do it." <laughs> so I had like little backpacks. I had everything we needed, and plus some snacks and some water because you know this is going to be fun. And we were like almost out the door, and my dad was like, "Wait." before y'all leave me and uh, Heather, which is my stepmom, she's like, we're going to go to the store. Can you watch Hayden for us? And Hayden was her three, three, four year old son. And we just like, Oh my God, like, no, we don't want to do that. Just take him with you. And we ended up having to watch him. So we're all sitting in the living room. My parent, you know, my dad and stepmom had left. And we're all just kind of pouty, like, damn, we could have went, you know, we could have been having so much fun. And then I can't remember which one, but one of them said, well, why don't we just go walk up there and not have the seance? We'll just go for a walk. I still want to see it. And horrible, worst mistake of my life. I put Hayden's little shoes on him and we all took my little brother up to that house. Oh my gosh, please tell me y'all didn't sacrifice your brother at this house and he's fine at the end of this. No, absolutely not. He's 15 now. He still laughs, laughs about this. Thank God. Like, he okay. does not hold a grudge against me for this. Dark, quick, dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like this is all headed somewhere really bad. <laughs> you guys will be tracing my IP address to give it to the police. Like, this is my confession tape. <laughs> No, I just make trailers about it and put it online. <laughs> just you get clicks. There you go. <laughs> so we go up there and we're looking and like, my, he was so sweet and cute and tiny. And he's like running around and like picking the flowers up. And this house looks something straight out of Evil Dead. Uh, pretty soon I'll be uh, doing a TikTok where I show you everybody the house just so they can like see what it's like. But um you know, he's running around picking flowers and shit. And all of a sudden, Miranda is like, is there anybody here? And I was like, Miranda, you can't do that. But we ended up doing it anyway. Now, we didn't have like a full-fledged seance, like with everything we needed, but we did ask questions. And our plan was to keep Hayden in between all of us. We all stood in a circle and we kind of like held hands. So if something happened, one of us could grab Hayden and run. And we were asking questions and we said to knock on the house once for yes and two for no. And we asked like questions like, is there anybody here? And then boom, we got, you know, we got a knock. And it was really exciting, but also we felt safe because, you know, it could be an animal in there, like. We had something to play it off as, so we didn't have to feel so scared, I guess. We keep asking questions. We're getting answers for every question we ask, and we feel so powerful. Like, it was just this weird rush of, like, adrenaline. And then Miranda was like, are you good or are you bad? And we kind of gave her shit, like, ha, 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 that's not a yes or no question. But then she was like, are you evil? And we didn't get an answer. And it just felt like everything went quiet. Like 
there was no more like screaming cicadas. There was no more like crickets or nothing. Like everything was just dead silent. And this is the hardest part to explain because I don't know how to explain it. It would have been no different if there were 12 people with sticks just ran around us in a circle and was like beaten on all the trees. Like it was just this loud flash of like knocks, but it wasn't in the house. It was all around us. And that sent us into like paralyzed. We were, we couldn't move. Like we just stood there staring at each other. Like, what do we do? And that's when my little brother started screaming that the monsters were coming and we didn't stop to elaborate. We picked him up and we booked it my shoe is probably still up there like (laughs) i booked it we got the fuck out of dodge and we got home back into the like safety of our house and he was like crying and scared and i was we were trying to calm him down like so quick because we didn't know when my dad and heather would be home and i knew like this this is going to be some shit we are going to be in some trouble so we got him calmed down. He was sitting in the living room just watching SpongeBob. And Brittany picks up her phone and she's like, That's not funny. And we're like, What are you talking about? And she was so pissed off at us and she stormed out. Like she left, she walked home. And we had no idea. Like, what wasn't funny? What did we do? A couple days later, we found out that somebody had called her mom from the cell phone and she said that she could hear Brittany screaming from her own cell phone. But None of us were like screaming. Yeah. From her cell phone that she left on the couch when we went up to the old house, but none of us were screaming. And even if we were, there was no way anybody could hear it through a phone call that she didn't make. I mean, Regina, you've experienced the supernatural and have encountered some not necessarily nice parts of the supernatural <laughs> sphere. What what does all that communicate to you based on your experiences? Well, so this is why I tell people don't mess with things. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I say yeah. don't don't ask because um, that I'm the same way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't do Ouija boards. I don't call upon spirits i don't test them because all it takes is one wrong question and it'll tick them off and you don't really know what's coming and also i feel like most i mean spirits it there's a lot of terminology but spirits aren't inherently evil they're not good they're not bad they just are um but there are entities out there that you just don't really want to mess with and they probably don't have your best intentions at heart um and they're they're sneaky. They're smart. Oh, yeah. They're all knowing. They get it. You know, there's no out outsmarting them. Oh yeah. So uh whatever you look for, you will find it. So that's that's what I have to say about that. So <laughs> ominous. Oh, that's um, give it a that's what I tell people constantly is yeah. like I see people on TikTok all the time playing with these shadow people, and I'm like, look don't do that. Like, I don't know what I have to do to get y'all to believe me, but like, that is so detrimental to your life. (laughs) Like not for your health, for your life. 
and mental health too, because those, those kind of things don't, Oh my God, those memories don't leave. Yeah. I don't know. I have uh, the one kind of ghost story from my childhood where I guess it would fall under a shadow person. I don't exactly know, but I've told it a bunch on the podcast, but basically it was just, we were playing hide and go seek as kids with all the lights off and my hand swiped through some kind of dark entity that was small enough to be one of my friends. And then when it went through it, we all screamed and ran out of the room because I just thought it was my friend and I was tagging them to be it. And I always kind of wondered like, would that fall under like a ghost or a shadow person or because the lights were off. So it was just black, but it had kind of like reflective eyes. Um, Anyway, I don't know. Just whenever people say shadow people, that's what, that's where my mind goes a little bit. Uh, No hat though. It wasn't a hat man or anything like that. That's another one we hear. Oh my God. Oh shit. <laughs> Kayla, I feel like you have so much to say yeah, about right. so many things supernatural. <laughs> yeah, I feel oh. like you that just triggered something there. <laughs> oh my god, that is the main motherfucker. That is the <laughs> oh, that is the boss battle in my game. Like that, that is the shit right there. Oh, you experienced damn that piece of shit. <laughs> have you experienced the hat man? Uh, He is the main person I talk about on my TikTok because I believe that uh, the hat man is what everybody else called him. My little brother named him the fancy man. I believe he tried to kill me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we've already had you for an hour and I hate to rush anybody (laughs) in stories, but let's let's. Okay, so we you guys went to the house, had essentially a seance uh, and you had this interaction with with something and then things sound like they kind of started to unravel from there. Is that what you believe led to the quote unquote hat man being a part of your life? 100%. That was, that was me inviting him in. Oh my gosh. Okay. So give us some of the highlights or lowlights. I don't know what you would consider them of your interactions uh, with the hat man. He prayed upon us. It was me and my friend Miranda. She ended up moving in with us. And every time my dad and my stepmom would leave the house, we were fair game. And it is hard to fight against something you can't see. And um, unfortunately, she had a uh, mental illness. Uh, She had a schizophrenia. And it preyed on her a lot. And a lot of people say, well, that could have just been her illness, but it's not her illness when I'm watching it as well. If I'm watching this and I see it happening, it's not her illness. And you said your brother experienced it too, right? Yes. My little brother, Devin, see Hayden is the one we took up into the woods. Devin, he was, you know, born into this, you know, and he was so little. He was, you know, three years old, I think. And, um, he started talking about this, this man who was in the home and he looked like a shadow. He had no face, but he wore a fancy hat is what he, what he said to us. And he said that, um, he called him the fancy man. He said, the fancy man hated me. He didn't like me. The fancy man was going to hurt me. And he would call me uh, shishi, like sissy, but he had like a little bit of a list, but he would call me shishi and he would tell dad and he would tell me that, you know, 
the fancy man sleeps under she she's bed which was uh horrifying to me because i didn't have an under the bed my bed at the time was a mattress and box spring on the floor what was like the key event that made you 100 percent believe that this entity existed in your home i had a friend come over and um we she was just going to stay the night with me we stayed up we watched horror movies we watched the ring of all things and um I had to share like my tiny little twin size bed with her and she's a model. So she's like six foot tall and like, it was, it was hard. And uh, I woke up from a nightmare and I had a dream about the girl from the ring at the old abandoned house that we went and looked at. And um, I woke up, I sat on the edge of my bed. The only light on in my room was the light from my computer. And I sat up, kind of gathered myself, got a drink. And then before I even laid my head back down, I couldn't move my body. I was instantly paralyzed and I was fully awake. I could breathe at this point, but I couldn't move. And because I couldn't move my head, I was focused on the corner of my room where my bedroom door was. And that was when I saw the fancy man manifest. And it was my first time seeing what my brother had been seeing for all these years. And he was extremely tall, like seven to eight foot tall. He had the hat and he just manifested and he stood there and just stared at me. I couldn't tell you how long all of this lasted, but I could not move anything. And then all of a sudden I felt something jump on my chest I couldn't, I couldn't move. Like I, it felt like a grown man had just jumped on all fours on my chest. And then something went over my my nose and my mouth and I couldn't breathe. There was no air getting in or out. My vision was going tunnel vision. Everything was fading to black. And I was praying to God to just give me the strength to take my two fingers and pinch my friend so she could wake up and get me help but I couldn't, nothing was happening. I was about to pass out and I kept thinking, this is it. I'm about to die and nobody's going to know what happened to me. And then just as quick as it happened, something ran past the light of my laptop. And then the fancy man was gone. The pressure was gone. The paralysis was gone and I could breathe. And I jumped out of the bed. I was drenched in sweat. I couldn't believe what just what just happened to me I still have nightmares about it and what would you say for people that you know may hear you tell that story and they wonder if maybe you just had sleep paralysis so that is a very common uh debate uh with this because I'm not the only one who's experienced this the debate is, is did the hat man cause the sleep paralysis or is the hat man a symptom of sleep paralysis? Is he a common entity that everybody who experiences sleep paralysis sees or the majority of people, I should say. So that's where it comes into this like huge debacle. Like you'll get some people who believe it was just a side effect and some people who don't. What I can say is I have witnessed him inside and out of sleep paralysis. And this, to me, 
I can't convince anybody. I'm not here to convince you. I'm just here to help the people who have gone through this and just let them know like, hey, you're not alone. And there is help out there and people who will remove him from your home so you can be safe. All I can tell you is I've seen him inside and out. And to me, it's not a symptom. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. And was that the worst experience you had with him? Or was there something else that was even more traumatic than that? That was the most traumatic because I legitimately believed that those were my last moments. And so just to kind of bring things full circle, um, if you can, I'd like for you to tell us about how you ultimately got rid of him out of your home. I know you've kind of talked about it a little bit and then how all of this um, brought you back to your faith. I know you mentioned the teacher, but if you can just kind of bring all that full circle for us, that'd be great. I sure can. So I would talk about this a lot and like my friends stopped coming. Cause once I got the house to myself, you know, I had this whole house by myself owned it uh, when I turned 18 So I didn't, you know, I didn't have parents to supervise and all my friends love to come and bring their girlfriends or their boyfriends and party because I had a house with no supervision, but because of the activity in the home, everybody stopped coming and I had to face this alone. And I would go on Facebook and beg people like, can you come sit with me? Can somebody pick me up? Like, I can't deal with this. I, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, don't leave me here alone with this entity. It turned me into an alcoholic. Like I had to deal with this with alcohol. That was the only way I felt like I could, you know, get through the night is if I was so drunk, I wouldn't even remember it. Are you still in the house right now? Yes. I'm actually sitting in the living room where the most of the activity took place. I ask because through this entire interview, I have like been just physically exhausted out of nowhere. And yes, typically that's a symbol that you're still battling. Like, are you still dealing with some of this energy in your house? Oh, absolutely. Um, I haven't dealt with the fancy man uh, for a very long time, but I'm still walking on eggshells because I never know when is he going to come back? 
because he does come back and he has before we've had him removed a couple of times and he's always came back within a couple of months but you know this is the longest i've got to experience life without him since being introduced to him so i'm still just every day i'm wondering like is today the day so what may i ask what methods you've used to remove him so um I've, I've done everything that you could find on the internet because <laughs> that was my go-to at the time. You know, I would sage the house. That would do nothing. I've used holy water. That did nothing but piss it off. Yeah. Um, I did. I had a, a priest come in my home and bless the home. And immediately after the priest left, I suffered a pretty traumatic attack from the fancy man where uh, I was pulled so hard by my ponytail that it brought me to my back. Wow. And, you know, he had done that before. So it was just one of those things. Like he was just letting me know, not only am I still here, but you fucked up. So what worked? Finding the right people who not only know what they're doing, but care about what they're doing. I had maybe four paranormal investigating groups come into this home. And it, the last group was my saving grace. I still talk to them constantly. I love them to death. I don't know what my life would be if I didn't have them. But the other groups were jokes. And I say that with all confidence because I have never been so insulted and damn near humiliated by a group of people who claim to try to help me in my life. Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I had to hear that. So what the group that um, was able to actually help you, was it a specific act they did? Or do you think it was just more of their energy interacting with the hat man or what, what help do you think? I think a lot of it was who they were as people because they came in, they documented a little bit of evidence and, you know, just to make sure what this was. And then they came in with the attack. They came in with everything locked and loaded, ready to go. But to me, it was Kelly. Kelly was uh, one of the leading women of the investigation and her energy was just something that I admire because when she came in, it was no nonsense. Like if I was an entity, I would be nervous. <laughs> like she just, she handled, she handled her shit. And when she came in here, they had made comments about uh, my faith. It, uh, she asked me out of nowhere, she was like, what is your religion? If you don't mind me asking. And I was talking about how, you know, I don't really have a religion. I just have a relationship with God and they caught a laugh and she heard it. And then she looked at me and she was like, he's calling bullshit on your faith. And I remember just that feeling in my chest, like, oh my God, like, what do I do with that? And then they spent the whole night just walking room to room, confronting the entity, which I do not recommend 
I do not recommend for somebody who's dealing with this at home to just go and confront it and be combative because if you don't know what you're dealing with, you could be very hurt, very hurt. It can make things a million times worse. Leave this to people who know what they're doing. And I'm going to be honest towards the end, a lot of it was a blur. Everything was happening so fast around me. The energy shift in the house was like giving me whiplash and I would feel like manic almost. Like I'd feel so amazing for like a second. And then I would feel like lost and despair and just hopelessness. Like it would just fluctuate. And I believe that was them removing him from my home. And then once they were finished, they did a final sweep and nothing was left. And so he's, you know, they did this and he's gone and you've kind of had this question about your spirituality or your religion brought up to you. How did all of that bring you back to your religion? To me, the battles that I faced with this entity showed me, okay, 100% there is an evil. There is an evil that you can't see. And it's not in your everyday person. It's not something you see on the streets. This is something hellish. And that to me proved that if there is something this dark and this sinister, there has to be good somewhere. And that opened me up to strengthen my relationship with God. And when the fancy man called bullshit on my faith, even though it was scary to me in the moment, to me, I, now looking back, I feel like that was his fear. If it can even feel fear, I don't know. But maybe he was like, okay, no, don't do that. So I'm going to shake it so she has no last line of defense. Well, I feel like I will never hear the word fancy quite the same again after this episode. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> only spin on Iggy Azalea's song. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Kayla. Well, that's that's um that's a pretty amazing story. Thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing that. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And why don't you share with our audience again, just where they can find you online, all your social media platforms? So on uh, Facebook, I'm just Kayla Johnson. Uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat, I am Cozy Cryptid. And I'm very open with uh, anybody who wants to talk to me about their experiences. I like to have an open line of communication to let you know that you're not alone. And there are so many people out here who are ready and willing to love you and support you through this. And it does get better. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I would just say um, I took some time going through your TikTok and audience, if you enjoy ghost stories, which if you're listening to this, I would have to assume you do. Um, check out Kayla's TikTok. She has a lot of content on there. Some really interesting stuff, not just about her own personal stories. I was listening today about her talking about the Mothman, which is something I've always found pretty interesting as far as paranormal stories <laughs> go. So yeah, check it out. And uh, well, Kayla, I hope you have a good rest of the night. All right. Thank you. And I hope you guys do as well. Get some good sleep. 
Okay, Regina. Well, first, thank you so much for coming and co-hosting this with me. That was a pretty intense episode and a lot to throw on a first-time co-hoster. So <laughs> I am feel proud of you, which is weird because we, you you know, but like, yeah, you killed it. That was awesome. And I'm glad you were there to help me navigate that because there was a lot in that episode. And I think you and I both were trying to figure out the best way to get to it all, but it's just, it was just so, it was like every turn, there was a new supernatural experience to try to navigate. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad she turned her camera off at the beginning because when she had it on and I saw her house immediately, I was just like, I, I don't like this house. I I feel for her and I completely believe everything she said because yeah. it just the energetic shift that I got when she got on the call was was immense. So that's interesting. I know um, I remember you talking about, you know, your supernatural experiences when you came on but you don't just feel energy in like your current surroundings. You can feel that through, I guess, visual mediums as well, whether it be zoom or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I've helped a lot of people um, through pictures and stuff like that, identify and then give them the best recommendation and route of how to remove spirits or entities in their house. And um, yeah, I completely believe what Kayla is saying, because it's true. If you just do sage or if you just do holy water and it's such a powerful entity, it's all it's going to do is piss somebody off. So I just wouldn't, wouldn't mess with it. Did that make you a little nervous knowing that that was the house and hearing all these stories, just in the sense that you are somebody who can pick up on those energies, you know, not everybody is necessarily in tune to that. Did it, or did you feel pretty safe during that experience? No, I felt pretty safe. I'm, I'm extremely spiritually guarded. I've learned how to guard myself. I mean, even just walking through a neighborhood, you know, you can, well, I I don't want to say, you know, but (laughs) I can cross by a house and just automatically feel the presence. Oh, we Um, heard about you and your house presence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, you you just got to guard yourself and be, aware that it's out there um or just completely deny it (laughs) i guess that could work too we had somebody i don't know if you've ever had reiki done to you i I guess that's the way you say it okay so we had a a reiki um practitioner on uh we actually recorded the episode last night it hasn't released yet but by the time this comes out it should release but anyway uh she is similar to you and I think other people who uh, experience things with energy and, 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 and visually as well. She talked about putting herself a, a protective white light around her. Is that something you can relate to? Yeah. So mine, mine is gold. You get to pick whatever color feels right for you. Okay. You, know, you can change it out at any time. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not so much, you know, white is good. Mine's gold. Um, it's just the color that resonated. There's a lot of really good YouTube videos where um, these people will actually talk about like how to build a protective bubble or anything like that. And it's, that's all it is. Um, and it's really just, guarding yourself. And I feel like it's more of a meditation than anything and more of a centering yourself and a grounding of your own self. Because um, I I thought it was interesting that um, Kayla had said 
that when the group that finally got the fancy man out of her house asked her about her faith and she said she had a relationship with God and the, the fancy man snickered or laughed, that is what I find in a lot of people. Mm. If spirits or entities come back after they get removed, it's because you're not guarding yourself. You're not strong in your faith or you're not grounded with your soul. Like it's, it's much more about you and how you're reacting to everything and how you're being also pro situation than it is about, Oh, the ghost is haunting me. And they, I think that that's a thing that a lot of people don't realize. Because I, what we've heard on our podcast is that if that is the case, they can, they're, they're drawn to that. Right. I mean, that's almost like giving them power by being that way, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like if you're going to bully somebody, you know, who gets bullied, it's mm-hmm. always the the weaker people, unfortunately. Um, and those are the people who need the most help typically as well. I also really wanted to touch on if it's all right, um, how she said her friend Miranda had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really important to make the connection between mental illness and paranormal experiences. Um, a lot of people will say that paranormal experiences are false because it means that you're just having, you know, some kind of mental illness when in fact, mental illnesses, specifically things like schizophrenia, it's not that they cause these paranormal experiences, but they do help exacerbate it. And so she was saying that her friend with schizophrenia saw it a lot more often. And that's, that's pretty common. Um, but causation and correlation are two very different things, obviously. Yeah, that's. It's always kind of an interesting topic when you're discussing supernatural events and occurrences, because I do think that's an easy place for people to go to that haven't heard many stories or talked to many people who have experienced uh, or claim to have experienced the supernatural. And I think that's something that Kat and JJ and I kind of talked about and thought about when we started this podcast. Now, we did have the benefit of probably the first 20 episodes or so, or so were primarily like our friends within our creative community and people we knew pretty well, not to say people, you know, can't have mental illnesses, but you know, we felt pretty trusting in the stories they were telling us. And I think that was a good bridge for us to go out and talk to others. And, you know, kind of, we already had that as our starting place where yes, we are skeptics and yes, we do want to believe, but the biggest thing for us is to, give people a space that's kind of safe to share these stories. Um, Because like what Kayla said, where she wants people to know, like, Hey, I've experienced this. If you've experienced it too, let's talk about it. And we've had, or I've had so many guests message us. A lot of times it's actually before they come on, they may listen to a couple episodes and they'll be like, Oh my gosh, on this one, it's the same thing I've experienced. And it gives me so much comfort to know I'm not alone, which that was uh, a really interesting thing that evolved with the podcast. So it's been kind of cool to see that happen. No, it's awesome. I love, I love that you're giving a voice to something that a lot of people just discredit automatically because they can't see it. Um, So yeah, I appreciate that as well. Just being on the other side. Yeah. I do also want to mention my energy now is, I don't know if you could tell just by my mannerisms or the way I'm talking is back to where it was. I know. Just bright, happy <laughs> Regina, right? right wild. It's wild. Yeah. What, what energy. Well, I felt that same way during the episode, but I, I, I didn't know if 
I don't know. There's my head is in so many different places during an interview. I'm always trying to walk a couple steps ahead of whatever is going on. I don't know. I, I did. I wasn't sure if it was because things were we were jumping around so much in different stories. If that was just stressing me out as somebody who really enjoys narrative <laughs> or or what. But it was interesting that you had that kind of draining sensation um, that may have stemmed from our home. I was curious to ask you because you grew up in a home where you kind of had to convince your parents that, Hey, I'm having these experiences and there's legitimacy to them. What was it like hearing somebody who had the opposite experience um, to a pretty, a real extreme opposite and not saying necessarily that either are good or bad. It's just, I don't know. As, as somebody who's a new parent, the idea of like bringing in seances and Ouija boards and stuff that to my kid feels it makes me a little uneasy. Yeah, I, um, I wouldn't, again, my, my golden rules, uh, don't mess with it if you don't have to. Um, but I think it would have helped me feel a little more validated. Um, if I didn't have to necessarily prove this, um, to, to my parents and, and, and really they did, I think they did a really good balance once I did prove that, um, is because they supported me and they listened and they kind of let me take the lead on all of that. Um, but they also were pretty strong in faith as well. And so they didn't bring in things like Ouija boards or black candles or magic or anything like that. Um, you know, my brother wanted to be a magician growing up. <laughs> he had like the little whole magic set. They were fine with that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, I like, thought you were going to say they threw it all away. <laughs> no, no, no. They were fine with that kind of stuff because that's more like illusionary. But um, yeah, like real occult things they they did not participate in. And yeah. um, I think it was also an element of fear as well. Sure. So it's a double-edged sword either way you look at it. You know, um, you have parents who can guide you through that, who know enough about it to not be afraid of it. And so you don't, you don't automatically have this sense of fear, but then on the other hand, would she have even done that seance with her friends and had this issue with the fancy man, if she didn't even know what a Ouija board was or how to use it. So Uh, she just kept talking about her little brother being there. And I was like, please tell me this kid isn't (laughs) going to get possessed or like, because I mean, we've heard so many stories and I was just like, he's not going to be the one to like start talking in tongues or something like what's going to happen. But he did say he saw monsters, which I mean, that's scary, but that wasn't as bad as what, I I don't know. I was, I'm glad you called that out because that's where my head was going to. I was like, (laughs) I was like, this has to be what the audience is thinking right now. I mean, that's what we were thinking. I was just like, Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh God, what's going to happen with the poor kid? (laughs) I know. Yeah. Oh, well, Uh, (laughs) it sounds like everybody made it. You should just move. Honestly, that's my best advice there. (laughs) Well, I'm curious with you being a uh, creative and a singer songwriter does the supernatural ever affect your creative process or do you see a day where you might try to blend those two worlds a little bit? Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, do a couple of things. I, I got certified with crystal healing and I have a metaphysical e-commerce store coming out with that. And, um, you know, I do visual art and like resin art with, with crystals and things like that. So that's, a part of the creative in terms of songwriting, 
it's not so much affected by it um, either way. I think it does unlock a different element of I can do very deep meditations and I totally believe in the creative muses and all of that. And so I think it's more of a channeling thing Um, and being an empath and an intuitive really definitely helps with songwriting because if, if I don't have any material in my life, which I don't, I'm, it's been a pandemic. So I have had a pretty boring life for the last year, but um, you know, I can kind of tap into other people's situations and, and really get the feelings. And I did see you got the vaccine recently, right? Or did I imagine? Yeah. I got my first dose last weekend. Awesome. Congratulations. I've only twitched uh, a little bit. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. No twitching. But you know, it's yeah, there's yeah. A little, you know, whatever. (laughs) No, no, no twitching or anything. Uh, Zero side effects at all. So we'll see how the second dose goes. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, um, I think we're all getting closer and closer and it's exciting to know that some form of normality can come back so where we can all get to living our lives. Exactly. I just miss bars. I didn't ever think I would miss, you know, dancing in a crowd of drunken, sweaty people and everybody invading my own space. But I do. I miss it. You're out in California, right? I am. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Everything's closed for the most part. Yeah. So, so which, summer, I think, I think summer will, we'll get some stuff back at least. I'm that's hopeful. the goal. That's yeah. the goal. <laughs> um, well, so with her experience, I mean, I guess it kind of, it ended on a, a high note, but kind of to wrap up, I'm curious, what do you think? I keep saying I'm curious, but I am curious. Um, what do you think about the hat man? I mean, that's a story on real hauntings. We have heard, Time and time again, there was actually one guest, and I, I'm, the title eludes me. I'm sure people will write in and tell me, but essentially this guy went to his friend's house after school, and he spent the night at his friend's house, and there was this rocking chair that kept rocking in the middle of the night, um, and then he got up to see what was going on, and there was like a 10-foot a shadow hat man um, you know, in the background, and it scared him so bad, he literally ran out of the home and ran back to his home. So it's it's kind of a story you hear. It doesn't necessarily have to be sleep paralysis, although that is the major contributor that um, you tend to find online or hear people talk about. I mean, do you think, do you believe that there can be this like entity that travels like that? Or what do you think it is about the shared experience people are having? I think any shared experience is definitely a phenomena looking into it um, or a phenomena to look in into. Um, I haven't looked into it enough to have a solid uh, opinion or, you know, thoughts on the theology of it. Personally, I haven't seen a hat man, um, but just knowing what I, what I know from what I have seen personally with other entities, they're, they're kind of subsected in different groups. And so I wouldn't be surprised if like, the hat men was like some kind of coalition of (laughs) of energies. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, You know, I just picture them all like grabbing their hats before they go out. Exactly. Yeah. Punch card in, (laughs) punch card out. Like how many souls did you see? Monster Inc. Like about six. Um, You know, no, it's, (laughs) 
Yeah. So I, it wouldn't surprise me. I just don't know enough about that specific thing to have an opinion on it. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how I've seen other entities travel is, you know, angels look a specific way. Demons. Okay. Look, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, spirits look a specific way. And so there's all these different things and some mediums can only see one group. You know, there's a lot of mediums out there who say angels and demons don't exist. And it's like, well, perhaps, but now you sound like somebody who doesn't even see spirits saying, well, spirits don't exist. Right. Because there's all these different things. I mean, we only see like 3% of the electromagnetic spectrum and it's just like, how can you even. Yeah. And the, the being absolute and the supernatural I don't know, field or whatever you want to call it, I think is a little challenging in general, just because people do experience so many different things exactly. and feel so confident in their experiences, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to convince somebody that has seen something that they haven't seen it. Right. So it's like, well, it's like a, the, the most mass form of social gaslighting there is, I feel. Yeah. Well, um, during this day and age, it's hard to convince something somebody of something they have seen you know just yeah like, right exactly <laughs> um so yeah we've got all kind of things going on in this world but um well thank you so much for coming on that was an absolute pleasure to have you co-host um please tell everybody where they can find you online and check out your music and get in touch with you you know maybe about do you do you do medium stuff i that do way, actually okay. yeah i've started to do that um i'm currently in the process of getting certified. So right now I, my fee is extremely low because I feel thought you were going to say it's extremely high because well, I just is feel a little bit, you know, unethical <laughs> charging a whole lot before yeah. I finally finish up, you know, the certifications. Um, but I do still want to help people if I can. Yeah. They can find me on Instagram, um, TikTok. I have Twitter. I don't use Twitter, but, or clubhouse now I'm on clubhouse highly addicting. Um, and so they can find me at Regina underscore heart, H A R T underscore. Um, and from there, my links are in my bios. So you can check all of that out. Awesome. Yeah. And make sure you go check out, uh, Regina's episode on real hauntings. It's so weird saying it in front of you about you <laughs> being like, you know, you drown and then can't. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you go and check out the episode. I was dead for 13 minutes. Now I see ghost. Um, I apologize for the clickbaitness of that title, but it does kind of describe part of what Regina went through. But her brother also, her and her brother fell into a pool. And I get, do you call it? I mean, you're alive. So do you call it drowned? I don't know what the right... I know, like some, some people call it drowning. Some people call it near drowning. I mean, yeah. technically our hearts did stop beating. Right. So what do you call that? Um, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> yeah, right. I just tell everybody I'm an angel. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm here to sure. grace you with my presence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, call it whatever you want. That's that's the context. Okay. Well, that works for me. Yeah, you guys, make sure you go check that out. It, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. And hopefully, Regina will be kind enough to come on and do this again with us. Anytime. All Thanks, right. Noah. And with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Regina Hart. Woo! <laughs>
Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.